You're listening to Oak City Move, a new podcast from 88.1 WKNC, highlighting people doing positive things in Raleigh and beyond. Oak City Move can be heard on air every Friday morning from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. on 88.1 WKNC or online at wknc.org listen. For episodes and more information, go to blog.wknc.org or follow us on SoundCloud at WKNC881. This is the Oak City Move. Uh, This is our pride show, so it's very LGBT-themed today. You may have noticed notable Prince covers and such. We're going to be doing a mixture of talking about our experiences, interviewing our friend Babette, who runs a queer youth and adult circus lessons program and reading some poetry submitted by our audience yeah if you have anything you'd like to share with us during the show please feel free to call um i guess what we can start with is janae what does pride mean to you (laughs) i tend to be very extra all the time so i think pride is warranting just how extra i tend oh absolutely i agree I definitely like to take this month to kind of reflect on my experiences um, and see how things have changed um, since like coming to terms with my own identity and how I present myself to the world. And Pride Month is a great time to do that and kind of uh, look back and see how far I've come. So that's what I like to do during Pride Month. Pride also makes me feel very much connected to like the global Oh, yeah. community because our our local pride is kind of in September and Durham is the biggest yeah, yeah celebration there's also out Raleigh in May but we don't have like a June pride event just looking around the world and being like oh there's a pride in June over there makes me feel like yeah connected. together <laughs> oh yeah I if even if I can't be at all these cool pride events I know that you know we're, we're being represented somewhere and, and that's really great I think so um yeah I I've have come out to my um, mom and I guess my brothers probably know now but other than that you know I've kind of been in the closet and um, I guess like it's just weird to um, come to terms with like how it will affect my life if I decide to come out to you know my extended family like more than just my close friends and um, I like say every pride month every year like oh this is the month this is the month but um, I've never actually made like a formal out thing to the general public, but it feels good to be able to um, like claim my queerness, especially on such a public platform like this. So it's really cool. Okay. Um, up next, we have a poem submitted by friend of the show, C. Phillips. Um, this is a form called a sestina. The poem is called A Tragedy, and it deals with gender dysphoria. A head of hair cannot part on its own. It takes a pair of hands, at least a comb or maybe a brush and a clip to the side. The sink turns on and then I'm on my knees. Stand up and then there's red spots on my knees. I look in the mirror and my face is not my own. Never my own. Never placed on right. So I keep it covered with my hands and maybe I'll move my fingers to the side. And then I'll feel or look or seem better maybe. But then I want to get back on the floor, maybe. Like the last time, how my chin touched my knees and I laid on my side, thinking of how a face is nothing to own. Instead, borrowed from earth or made by Mother Nature's gracious hands, 
A face is nothing to dig a grave on. I think my body tells me to get on the floor, so I do what it says since maybe it knows what to do since it's holding my hands. My hair sticks out long and wild on my knees, and it's beautiful since my mother nature made it all on her own. It's not mine anyway, so who am I to pick a side? Sometimes I wish my body lived with me on the inside. I would take care of it and always leave the light on. It could come by any time on its own. It'd like it. It in here, maybe. Where it wouldn't have to lay here on the outside with its bruised knees. Sometimes I wish my body would give me back my hands. Well, now I'm cupping the sink water in my hands, and I turn the handle to the side. It's funny how it's called the sink because every time I stand over it, I sink to my knees. Maybe... Not sure how the sink turned on, on its own. It's just that when I'm on my knees, maybe my body really is my own. It's the only time I can pull my hands to the side. The end. Oh, wow. See is so talented. Yes. I love them. If you'd like to check out their work, see Phillips. Show you are skin.bigcartel.com is where they post their zines and prints if you're interested in checking out more of their work. You're listening to the Oak City Move on 88.1 WKNC. Um, My name is Janae, and I'm here with some friends and guests. Hi, I'm Cassie. I'm program director for WKNC. Hi, my name is Babette, and I'm part of Queer Youth Circus. Do you want to do a round of pronouns? Oh, yeah, sure. She, her? Um, Cassie and she, her as well. Babette, they, them. I didn't say my name. Janae, she, her. (laughs) (laughs) So, Babette, as I know, um, you run some queer youth circus lessons as well as queer adult circus lessons. You want to talk some about that? (laughs) Yeah, queer youth circus started in Carborough about two years ago. Um, It started as a camp for teenagers ages 13 to 18. Um, So we do, we teach aerial silks, trapeze, lyra, um, for the first half of the day. And then we go over things like um, talking about social justice and ways that you can be active in your community and how you can, um, like, just protest skills, organizing skills, leadership skills um, for the second half of the camp. And so it's like a week-long camp. And after we did that, it was a lot of fun. And so we started doing um, weekly practices to hone our skills and doing showcases and, you know, fighting back against HB2 and things like that. Um, And we have, our next camp is coming up in August, August 11th through the um, 14th. Um, And we also now teach queer adult classes um, in order to help fundraise for the youth class to be able to pay rent. So... We, um, the class is reduced price for adults. It's $10 instead of $30. And we, um, we go, it's at um, Triangle Circus Arts in Durham. And it's at Sundays, it's on Sundays at noon to one. Another thing that you guys tend to emphasize is body positivity within. Um, yeah, we, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really important to us that people know that circus is for everyone. There's a lot of, stereotypes in the media of what someone who can do acrobatics looks like 
And we really want to push back against that, um, especially for queer people um, who feel like, you know, may not feel safe, especially trans people with pronouns and everything, may not feel safe um, doing a lot of physical activity in front of other people. So, um, yeah, we accommodate for a lot of different sizes. Nobody's the same size or shape in our classes, and that's something we really pride ourselves on. Um, And we have a lot of accommodations, a lot of spotting, a lot of, um, modifications for whatever level that you start at. I hope this isn't like too personal, but do you think that um, for you or for others, there's like been a healing or positive relationship between strengthening your body and becoming more capable in your body and feeling more comfortable within yourself with your body? For me, I think that like challenging myself to, you know, climb a silk and go upside down and swing and things like that has been like life-changing for me it's something that I've always wanted to do and to be able like my teacher is also trans and to be able to just say like you know this doesn't feel good or I want to do something else or you know when I or like when this comes to like costuming and stuff like they'll understand you know and so I think that that's been really helpful for me to feel like I'm really empowered in what I'm doing. Um, and I know for a lot of other folks um, are dealing with a lot of other like physical health issues and mental health issues. And it, it really helps to be in that affirming space and to feel like we're trusted to do what we, um, we've been trained to do and to come up with our own choreography and things like that. It makes us feel like really special. So, so after the actual um, acrobatics portion of the class what you said you focus on a lot of um like organizing and social justice work um do you have a lot of um so do people typically stay for both like is that something that they enjoy as well I guess um yeah for the like social justice part um it's normally just within our camp so it's like an eight hour long day and four hours is aerials and four hours is activism and so it it usually becomes a group discussion we'll play games you know it's very interactive and so people are like learning about each other we're like coming to common ground about things and it becomes and it's like just sharing knowledge with each other so it's not really focused on you know like the teacher teaching you or lecturing you about it it's really like coming from our own experiences and being able to share things that have happened to us personally and not feel like it's going to go anywhere else. It's very confidential and it's just like a really nice space to like learn about new things about disability and like indigenous rights and, you know, sex positivity and body positivity and things like that. Like it's just a real space to just explore all kinds of topics and advocate for yourself and other people. That's great. I I think that's amazing the work you're doing and the um, the empowerment I guess that it gives people um, in order to like I think it'd be incredible to like go from you know feeling very confident about my body and my capabilities and my strengths and then going into my strengths as an activist and what my mind can do when I put it together with other people so that combination is really incredible and I, you should be really proud I think <laughs> thank you <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> You're listening to 88.1 WKNC's Oak City Move, where we discuss and share um, the, quote, movers and shakers of the Triangle area. 
This week is Pride-themed. If you just tuned in, um, we talked to Babette, and they told us all about their awesome acrobatic-slash-activism camp for youth and adults. Um, next, we're, we're going to discuss um, our experiences as queer folk in um, the various regions of country. So, um, <laughs> Janae, you have been in um the triangle area more metropolitan area for most of your life right yeah and um we're still pretty southern here in um raleigh but do you think that uh, your experiences here have affected the way you view your queerness or the way you decided to come out or express yourself in public i have like i do think that even though we're in the south in the grand scheme of things we are pretty sheltered from a lot of like flagrant homophobia that comes in more rural areas of the state. Not to say that anything is good here in terms of homophobia, <laughs> racism, but there's definitely a barrier from like the outright like yeehaw homophobia. I would say like going to, um, I used to be a counselor at, um, so did Babette, I like leadership weekend camp for LGBT youth and meeting a lot of them made me really rethink um, my personal stance on the word queer and um, meeting people who had lived in areas that were very much less LGBT friendly and where queer still very much was a slur made me um, personally more hesitant to use it as an umbrella term. So I try personally to use... um, LGBT more if I'm not sure how the people that I'm referring to identify and I personally don't reclaim it because of personal reasons but yeah I think being from a metropolitan area but also having some exposure to people who are just a little west or east of here but have drastically different experiences really is what shaped my experience more than living in a pretty neutral city. Yeah that makes sense. Um, As for me I most of my life was spent in um, rural um, South Carolina and rural North Carolina. And it's um, definitely uh, changed the way or shaped the way that I have um, expressed my um, sexuality. And I think the reason I reclaim the word queer is because um, of those experiences. And I feel like it's more empowering for me to use them when they were so often like used against me and people in my community that were out. So as for um, growing up in rural North Carolina um, and how that affects the LGBT folks that I knew, I know that uh, a lot of girls, especially in middle school and high school, early high school would be absolutely vilified if they were anything but straight. And it was very like looked down upon and called awful names. Um, It's just, it's a very different experience, I think, Um, especially me going to a very small high school. Um, I graduated with 20 people. Everybody knows each other. And luckily that means that um, I felt safe there and able to be out. And people knew that. And if somebody had an issue with it, then, um, you know, I had like a very close-knit group of people that supported me. So luckily I had that protection, but a lot of um, like outside of school at, you know, just shopping or um, bumper stickers on cars that say like one man, one woman or something awful like that. Um, 
Confederate flags on the backs of trucks. People would meet in the Walmart parking lot with all of their Confederate flags on their trucks. And like the police would be there too, like hanging out, just, you know, all coming together to celebrate that. And, um, you know, it just makes you feel weird and unsafe. But I luckily did have my safe spaces, which was good, and people that supported me for the most part. I know that (laughs) one time I was walking around um, holding my girlfriend's hand at the mall, and a man came up to me and asked us if we were sisters, and I said no. And he, like, kind of looks at me, and he's like, are you sure? Like, being gay is, like, you absolutely cannot accept that. It It was, like, horrifying in the moment, but it's pretty funny now. Um, for me, I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in Detroit, Michigan, which is really not like the rest of Michigan. And, but I was, I was born in um, North Carolina and I live here now. Growing up in Detroit, I think, I don't know, I I received kind of mixed messages about being gay. Like, I really thought that it wasn't any different than anything else, just because I think my mom was a very spiritual person and things like that. But from like my dad's side as a religious more religious person he was he didn't he thought it was more of an abomination and things like that and so it was just like very mixed side of the coin and so when I came out my classmates which I didn't expect were all more on the side of it being abomination and um kind of shunned me for like a year where I didn't I couldn't talk to anyone I didn't really know anyone have any friends or anything like that and so it was just very strange to me. I just wasn't expecting it. I feel like people, you know, you think that, like, they kind of, sometimes in the media they paint the world as more accepting as than it is. And it's like, it kind of gives you false hope if you're a young queer baby. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you're like, oh, yes, I got this. And you don't got it, you know. <laughs> so I, it was really hurtful to me. And, and Detroit. Like, you know, it's not a utopia, but it wasn't, you know, like Confederate flags and things like that because it's 85 percent black. Oh, yeah. And (laughs) you know what I mean? So it was a lot easier to walk around, you know, being a person of color. But it wasn't it was still a lot of systemic racism um, from the like the fun, the lack of funding that goes into the city, the school closings and the water shutoffs and things like that. So it's still a very hard place to live. And it's like harder knowing like trying to be gay and or bisexual and everything like that there it was just it was really difficult but um I found like other communities and like community centers and things like that and when I came to North Carolina again it was like the similar thing a guy also came up to came up to me and my partner like in Walmart and he started just quoting Walmart Bible verses. time warp of a place. <laughs> right. I was like, wow, this is not what I needed at all today. I wanted some groceries, you know. So, yeah, like just quoting Bible verses at you. And that's just like something. I think I'm not going to be gay anymore. Um, thanks yeah. for the Bible lesson. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wow, okay, going to Sunday school. Now. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just... It's yeah, it's a lot different. And my partners from rural North Carolina as well and going back to their hometown and visiting their family is like like very like it was hard for me in the beginning. And like we've kind of worked past it and like their family like likes me now. And like we I have a relationship and things like that. And we just know like we're not to go together holding hands. Yeah. So it comes down to just like being safe, especially if you, you know, 
are in a vulnerable situation like you just don't you can't do stuff like that and definitely affects the way you present in public i think you're listening to oak city move a weekly program here on wknc considering that it's pride month we are doing a bit of a pride theme show today so if you have any lgbtq plus themed music you can call 919-515-0881 or 919-515-2400 And so we're just going to be continuing our discussion of LGBT issues here in the triangle and just in general. So Cass, I know in the break you were asking me a quick question about what my experiences were in terms of. Oh, yeah. So um, you grew up in Egypt? Yeah, I lived there from the time I was in third grade until um, my junior year of high school. So I moved back here for my senior year. Okay. So um, I know that... um, I'm not too familiar with um, legislation against LGBT people in other countries, but how was it different in Egypt than in um, the United States? Yeah, so people didn't really talk about it that much. There were definitely a lot of underground uh, gay, like, and queer communities and things like that, especially, like, within universities and things like that, because that's, like, around the age of most people, like, come to terms with their sexuality Mm -hmm. and things like that. It was never really talked about... um, in like out in the open and things like that and even when it was like it was used as an insult kind of thing mm-hmm. you know um but in terms of the government like you could be arrested or even like killed for being wow. gay and yeah. or like even if like some people like would be like they would be trans but they wouldn't be out in the mm-hmm. community so like they would just be like themselves um at home yeah and kind of you know wear different clothing and things like that but um if anybody found out like they could come like even if you were just doing it in your own home like not in public they could still come and like arrest you and stuff that's terrifying i mean i know that things aren't perfect here of course but that's a lot different than um the way that the um, yeah legislation in uh, the united states works so i can't imagine it's really wild like there was um there's this one band they're from i'm trying to think they're, they're from lebanon if i'm not mistaken but they're called Mashrua Leila. But anyways, they're one of their like um, made main members of their band is is openly gay, and that's like been one of the biggest um, icons for LGBT youth in in the Middle East Middle yeah. Eastern community. Um, but in terms of them playing shows and stuff like that, so like in Egypt, they've always been allowed to play shows. But um, I know, I think it was Morocco. No, it wasn't Morocco. Sorry, I'm, it was Jordan. Jordan that their show got canceled because wow. he is a member of the LGBT community. Um, so just little things like that that you wouldn't really hear of in the United States is yeah. really interesting. So, and it's not, <coughs> excuse me, it's not even really, just people, I guess, like, even if, like, people are religious, like, they just use kind of any excuse to be oh, yeah, hateful. But, like, even, because in Egypt, like, it's, not really the same as like people would envision like saudi arabia or whatever like as like a lot of the laws stemming from religion like where there is a lot of religious influence it's not the same like there is at the same time a lot of western influence but yeah just like that discrimination even like with the different western cultures coming in over the years because we've been occupied by france we've been occupied by england and things like that and became, yeah. we were a base um military base in the world the world wars and things like that so even with that being said, they, they, they it really hasn't trickled down, I guess, yet. Yeah, because the way I kind of see it is in terms of social 
social justice and things like that the arab world is kind of like 10 or 20 years behind yeah where the west is because you know kind of the quote-unquote like fads or trends which in of itself is a toxic way of describing someone's sexuality but that in of itself um is sort of a new thing like being really open and accepting of lgbt people in the united states like they've always existed obviously but just that openness and you know especially with our generation finding a lot of people that either are a member of the community or know someone that's a member of the community is really common but for that to trickle down into the middle east will definitely take a while oh yeah definitely makes sense i mean we're lucky here that we have so many resources available to us and um I mean, at least in my experience, I've been able to, you know, live relatively safely. And um, I definitely think it's, um, of course, we still have our problems, but it's oh, yeah. um, it's interesting to see the way that, um, you know, other countries kind of um, deal with the LGBT community. Yeah. So, um, yeah, thank you for sharing that. Um, I know that um, I am half Hispanic and um, a lot of... Um, my uh, family, you know, grew up Catholic, and um, that's mainly due to, you know, the Spaniards coming and occupying um, South American countries and spreading Catholicism. But um, I know that uh, Christianity as well, um, obviously, um, some of the more like extreme groups do have issues with the LGBT community. And um, especially being here in the Bible Belt, I think that is... Um, definitely affects uh people's ability to be out so i can see how you know even people who aren't like very religious may use that as an excuse for their you know homophobic tendencies i've definitely seen that my thing is always just like with people that cite religion as the reason why they're so anti-gay or anti-lgbt is you know like they're not hurting you like you don't have to like say interact with them or whatever if you don't like don't go to pride if you if you don't really like gay people but i mean honestly you can't really tell the difference like if you're just looking at a person you like you wouldn't know like it doesn't i guess it doesn't like hurt you in any way to like just not hurt these people like if you just leave them like you don't have to be like like you should obviously like we should strive to have it where everybody's nice to each other but like even at the very least if you just like tolerate yes like don't even like interact like i guess not inter not not interacting but you know just sort of like don't say anything you know it's like their decision so quick disclaimer we're not here to trash religion oh no yeah of course not i think it'd be really interesting to eventually have someone who is like comfortable talking about the intersection between religion and sexuality on our show absolutely just making sure oh yeah i mean area grievances is not condemnation oh yeah this is definitely just like personal experiences i mean i've had absolutely wonderful experiences um going to church with my grandma you know they yeah. one of my one of my most memorable um like lessons in church was um teach they taught us acceptance versus tolerance and they yeah. said that um you know tolerance is the first step but to truly love and to be christ-like you must accept others yeah and you know that included Um, LGBT people which really stuck with me and gives me hope for like the future of like the religion I grew up in and have been around so I think it's the intersection is definitely there and people definitely I'm sure have you know come to terms with both of those things so yeah but I know you grew up more 
in the north so how was the religious aspect like was there as much because i know in the south there's a lot of like it's very historically known for being very church-based and things like that so how how was it like in the north is there still a lot of religious citation or was it not so much well i grew up in detroit and i think there's a lot of because it's black majority city um there's in the black population there's just like a lot of Christianity that was forced um, upon enslaved people um, during slavery. And so it's just generations down, changed religions from the indigenous religions um, in Africa. So um, it's just the, so just for me personally, I think Christianity was like overwhelmingly the religion in Detroit. And there's a lot of atheist, atheist people and a lot of spiritual people and other religions um there's but for me personally i think a lot of my family especially on my father's side were um christians who went to to church every sunday sometimes more than once a week and really engaged in the church and you know what i mean there's the churches like on almost every corner sometimes twice in the same block like it's really it's um it's just with the culture and the history um of the population and so I just um so it it is kind of like it's still it depends on the church you go to as like anywhere like whether you'll be accepted as LGBT person um but it's really I think it it also just differs if you go outside of Detroit and other if you go to like Ann Arbor Michigan it's very more like liberal and like Chapel Hill-esque of <laughs> Michigan. So it's just, it's much more positive accepting, you know, like all of these things. And, but it's not, but there is a huge queer community in Detroit, but the religious aspect still kind of, you know, you know, goes, is like right there at the same time. It's still right there. So, yeah. Building on the um, religious aspect and more of the cultural aspect, um, a lot of us here today are people of color or mixed race. Do you have um, any of you experiences with your family thinking that being gay or being queer or otherwise LGBT is a white people thing? <laughs> because I definitely have that with my Puerto Rican family. Oh, yeah. You should um, definitely elaborate on that some. Like, what is that like? Um, so very much like I think the media is very responsible for the only real narrative of being like, I'm white and skinny but I'm gay or like, like that the whole being idea like, of pressing you can't, it as like, a trend. You can't yeah. have, yeah. Like you have to otherwise be like socially acceptable plus gay to be a TV <laughs> character most of the time. Like be beautiful and um, yeah. conventionally attractive and high like socioeconomic status, but and you're gay. Generally. Yeah. Right. With the exception of Glee sometimes. Oh yeah. But that's <laughs> never a good example to really look at. That's but, like um, level one. Um, yeah. Like LGBT television. A lot of my like, I'm not out to necessarily all of my family, but the ones who know are kind of just like, oh, that's just like what the white liberals do. <laughs> um, <laughs> and don't pay much mind. That's that's funny. Um, I mean, my my grandma who is who grew up in Guatemala till she was eighteen and then immigrated to Florida. I mean, she's gay, and it's so interesting. Yeah, just like full out gay. Yeah, full out gay. Pretty I mean, nice. She, How did I not know this? Uh, yeah, I didn't she, know this either. Does she want to be on the show? <laughs> I, I think she loves that. Gay grandma. <laughs> well, the thing is, like, to get out of, um, you know, her home and 
out of her, you know, uh, her mom was a Jehovah's Witness and that's very restrictive. And so she married a man and she had mm. two children. But, you know, she um, my dad would always tell me like about <laughs> my grandma's like special friends throughout her childhood. <laughs> and then she lived with um, her longtime girlfriend throughout my entire childhood and would tell me like, oh, this is my roommate. This is my, you know, best friend. Yeah. When you guys come over, you can stay at the um, in my room. And it was very obviously a guest bedroom. So. <laughs> But I think it's interesting to see the way, like, her religion and her Guatemalan culture, like, shaped the way she had to kind of navigate her sexuality. And uh, she's such an inspiration to me because these days, you know, she's just living her life and how she um, decides to present herself. And I think it's really beautiful. And she she doesn't know that I'm bi, but I, feel, I would definitely feel comfortable telling her Um I think it's so interesting how for years, you know, it's kind of something she had to put off about herself because of, you know, restrictive um, cultural beliefs. So I'm glad she came to America and got to be gay. (laughs) (laughs) You're listening to Oak City Move on 88.1 WKNC. This has been our pride themed episode. And to close out, we're going to read a poem by lesbian poet Mary Oliver called Wild Geese. You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes, over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese, high in the clean blue air, are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination. Calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, 